Hi, and welcome to Getting Biblical, the show where I drink too much and talk about my favorite Bible stories. I am Matt Smith, your host, and thank you for joining us today. For today's episode, we are back in the saddle covering the story of Moses. We talked about Moses as a baby. We talked about him uh, seeing the magical burning bush and God talking to him and telling him he was supposed to go into Egypt and free all the Israelites from slavery. We talked about all that fun stuff. And then we took a couple weeks of a break uh, talking about other topics that I wanted to discuss. And, and now we're back. We're finishing up the story or this arc of Moses. And it's a huge story, a lot to cover. Uh, today's uh, portion is actually like nine chapters that we're going to try to get through today and it's such a, a big story in the bible i mean it's what the jewish holiday passover is all about i mean it's, it's just one of, it's a monumental story so we're going to try to do it justice try to get it all covered today and also do so in a timely manner so that's that's the that's the agenda that's the goal for today but before we begin as always let's talk about what i'm drinking so today's drink is one that signifies in my brain the start of a vacation. Uh, anytime I'm at an airport in the early morning getting ready to fly out to some new destination, uh, I always stop by the airport bar and grab one of these. I am, of course, talking about none other than the Bloody Mary. <laughs> the Bloody Mary, at its core, is, of course, pretty much just tomato juice and vodka. And, uh, you know, there's... Definitely you can get more variety, you can do more stuff to it, and really should be more than just those two things, I think is kind of the standard now, but, but at its base, that's, that's where we're going to start from. And from there, most places or people that make it are going to include stuff like hot sauce, you know, Tabasco sauce, uh, Worcestershire sauce, lemon juice, uh, throw some pepper in there, and of course the iconic celery stalk sticking up out of the, the top of it uh, as, as a bare minimum almost. And uh, can I just say real quick, as far as celery goes, uh, celery can go F itself. I, I, I hate celery so much. Celery tastes like gross tainted nothing like I, I don't know how to explain it other than it tastes like nothingness and and gross at the same time maybe bitter is a better word uh, it's just like bitter nothingness i don't know i just i uh, i just i don't like it i hate it uh, occasionally if it's with like chicken wings or whatever and there's blue cheese that i can scoop it up it does make for a decent uh, blue cheese or ranch shovel but even that man like at what cost like it's it's just it's nasty and it's all stringy when you bite into it right like breaks off and then there's just like like little shoots going out little strings and like celery celery is the dental floss of the vegetable world and i hate it <laughs> I, I don't like to put it in my own bloody marys but maybe that's just me that probably is just me uh, it's definitely just me so uh but that's fine i digress uh, the drink, the Bloody Mary, the drink is fun because there's just so much that you can do with it. It's, you know, just like barbecue or whatever recipes. Like, every Bloody Mary, every person that makes one is going to make it a little bit differently to their taste, right? And you want it super spicy? You can make it super spicy. Dump a little bunch of hot sauce in there. You want it, uh, like, to make a meal out of it and put a whole fried chicken as a garnish on top? I, I've seen bars do that, right? It's just all those different things that you can do with it, and it's super fun. So that's what we're drinking today. And I'm using the Moses vodka that we had a, a few episodes back. 
So I figured it would ap- it was apropos to use it again for well, as we continue the story of Moses. So we're doing three parts of the Moses vodka that we talked about, and then we've got six parts of a Bloody Mary mix, and just to keep things simple. And then here's where I get a little bit extra crazy. I do one part pickle juice and one part instead of a Worcestershire sauce, I use A1 sauce. So another, you know, one part of A1. And then I threw a few blue cheese stuffed olives in there and some baby pearl onions to sit at the bottom and just soak everything up as a little treat for when you're all done and all the the, the juice itself or whatever, when all the, the, the liquid, the beverage is gone, you've got these little these little things at the bottom that have, uh, I don't know, it just tastes amazing to me, just as they've just been marinating in the bottom of the of the Bloody Mary cocktail. So uh, that's what we're doing today. I also uh, some people on the rim of their glass they'll do like salt or salt and pepper. I prefer to use celery salt on the rim, and I know I just said some very <laughs> mean things about celery, but celery salt is different, and I and I'm a huge fan, especially on the rim of a Bloody Mary glass. I think it adds a little bit of an extra dynamic, a little bit more of a flavor profile than just regular old salt. So, um, you know, anyway, next time you're getting ready to do a bit of day drinking, and which is which the Bloody Mary is perfect for. Like with the spice and everything, it just keeps you awake and not not dozing off if, after you've had one too many or whatever. You know, it's it's a great way to drink during the day and keep things keep the party going. But um, anyways, next time you have a Bloody Mary, think of us, and uh, that's that's what we're drinking today. So cheers. Okay, so let's get back to Sir Moses over here. Last time we talked about him, there was the mystical burning bush that we talked about, God telling him that he was going to be used to free the Hebrew people from slavery. And Moses was all like, I hate public speaking. I don't know if I can do this. Can we please find someone else to do the talking? And so they recruit Moses' brother, Aaron, and then God teaches Moses how to throw his walking stick down and make it transform into a snake. And all that jazz, all that good stuff. And and here, and now, so for the next part uh, is when they're actually going to go to Pharaoh and start putting in their demands, putting in their requests. But here's what's interesting. God doesn't tell Moses and Aaron to just straight up ask Pharaoh to free the slaves. You can imagine, like, how well that would have gone over, right? Just walking up like, hey, you should, get, you know, let all your slaves go free, all your free labor and everything. Uh, if someone is super into owning human beings as slaves they're probably not going to just give up their slaves because you asked nicely right like it's not that's not how this works uh no god instructs aaron and moses to just ask for the pharaoh to release the israelites to go out into the wilderness on a three-day journey uh three days uh travel time uh, out into the wilderness to do some like holy sacrifices or whatever uh, as a nation uh, that's all they were asking for. They weren't asking to have freedom forever. They weren't asking to be let go or anything. They just wanted to take this little vacation and and then come back. And that's where we're going to kind of start. So Aaron and Moses, they go to Pharaoh's palace or whatever, and they submit a formal request to the Pharaoh on behalf of the Israelites. So Pharaoh is like checking his email or whatever, and he sees, you know, email from Burning Bush Sheepherder 777 at AOL.com or whatever, and says, Dear Sir, I am sending this message on behalf of our union head, Yahweh, who has sent me to put in a formal request with human resources that you give all your Israelite slaves a week's vacation. 
so they can go on a three-day journey into the wilderness for a team-building executive retreat. We promise to return to work as soon as we can, uh, within no no longer than one week's time or whatever. Uh, thank you for your consideration in this request. And Pharaoh reads his email or whatever, and gets this message, and he's like, "Who? Who is this Yahweh? Never heard of him." He's like, like I, I swear to Ra, you wire transfer money one time to a Nigerian prince and everyone thinks they can walk all over you. He's like, he responds back to the email, vacation time is denied. And then Moses and Aaron reply back, you know, please reconsider our request for if the people of Israel do not go on this three-day into the wilderness retreat, our union head will resort to other means of persuasion, right? Very, very mob boss sounding. And uh, but the pharaoh is not having it. He replies back, per my last email, vacation time is denied. Signed the pharaoh, and he, he shuts off his computer or whatever, and he goes to a slave master guys. He's like, hey, like, can you believe the gall of these people like asking for time off? We are in peak pyramid building season right now. Like, I can't, I can't just let them go off on a week's vacation. Like, what, what are they? Where's this coming from? Uh, what, what, by the way, what are what are the Hebrew slaves working on right now? Like what are, what project? And like oh, you know, slave masters or whatever. They're like they're making bricks for the upcoming you know pyramid expansion project that we have planned. Well, we give them the straw and the supplies, and they grind it up together, and they make the bricks, and then they use the bricks and stuff, and and you know, pretty routine uh, brick making process, you know, boss. <laughs> and, and Pharaoh's like, he's like, man, this this Moses guy really is he's really getting on my nerves. Who does he think he is asking me for vacation for all these people? He's like, you know what? You know what? Screw him. Screw the slaves. If they have enough time to whine and to cry about working too hard, then you know what? We're going to give them something to cry about. Go ahead and spread the word. I still want them to make the bricks, but now it's going to be their responsibility to go into the field and gather the materials to make the bricks also. So they got to gather the materials and make the bricks. The quotas are the same, no slacking. That'll teach them to cry about some stuff, right? That's, that's the plan. So now the Israelites have all this extra work thrown onto them, and it's not even really part of their job descriptions, and they're not even getting any more money for it. Like, like that ever happened to you, like in your, your job, and like someone quits or gets fired, and then like just magically their, all their extra shit gets put onto you? And you don't even get like a new title or anything, right? That type of thing. Yeah, it's that's that that bullshit is happening to the Israelites right now. So naturally, they get all mad and they get pissed and they go to Moses and they're like, "WTF, man! You were supposed to free us from slavery, not give us more work. Uh, we should not have trusted your ass. You suck." And they're all mad. And Moses goes to God and he's like, "Yo, dog, you're making me look bad in front of your people." We just accomplished literally the opposite of what you wanted to do. Like, we were supposed to free them from slavery. We made their lives worse. And God's like, listen, listen, listen. I know what I'm doing. Know your role, Moses. Go back to Pharaoh. We ain't done yet. And when you go back to Pharaoh, make sure you teach Aaron the party tricks I showed you. So they go back to Pharaoh, and they have an actual appointment this time, I guess, or whatever. And, and Pharaoh like is like, like he's like, okay, who's next? It's like it's a three o'clock appointment, all right? He's ending the day, and he's like, all right, who's the next appointment with? Like, what's what's next on the schedule? And they're like, oh, it's uh, Moses and Aaron, those those guys that were emailing you. And and Pharaoh's like, 
like what how how did they get an appointment who are these guys like what who who scheduled who who allowed them on my schedule like was that becky tell becky she's fired and get me a new secretary like this is unacceptable and like okay but whatever you're here now like why are you guys back here again i don't care what you have to say i'm not giving you any vacation time i'm not impressed by you why would i even listen to you you don't even know any magic tricks i can't take you seriously which is almost verbatim what he says and (laughs) then moses is like uh okay aaron do it now or whatever and he throws aaron throws down the magic staff and when he throws it down it becomes a snake just like we talked about before but pharaoh sees it and rolls his eyes hard and like claps his hands or whatever and his wizards and magicians come out and they all throw down their own walking sticks to the ground and they all turn into snakes and the and the whole room is just filled with snakes that used to be sticks or whatever <laughs> it's just a mess and pharaoh is not impressed by this magic trick or whatever but then just to to heighten the suspense or whatever aaron's snake stick whatever starts to eat all the other snake snick stick snake oh, no. <laughs> all, the, all the other walking staff turned snakes uh in the room so he just starts gobbling them up and eating them all and then when when there's none left when there's no more snakes in the room other than aaron's aaron grabs the tail and it turns back into the walking stick right and, and i <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know if like Aaron's walking stick was like super thick now after eating the other snakes or what exactly or how it or how it looked. Uh, also, I don't know if any of the wizards actually had any disabilities or anything like like if anybody actually needed their walking stick. If so, it's kind of a dick move. Like, 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 they're like propping themselves up on a wall or something. Like throwing their walking stick down, turning it into a snake, and then like now it's gone. And now I have to, I don't know, they have to use their hover round or something to get out. I don't know. Not trying to make fun of of disabled or handicapped people or whatever, but just like a dick move to have your snake eat up someone else's actual thing that they need to get around for mobility. Anyway, um, so Pharaoh, he sees all this. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't care. And he just gets an even bigger, badder attitude. And he's like, whatever. I don't care about your magic tricks. Get out of my office. And then Moses goes back to God and is like, the snake trick didn't work, boss. What now? So God's like, okay. Okay. No more parlor tricks. It's time to get our plagues on. Right? We're pulling out the big guns. So, you know, I don't know, like dramatic music, like plague number one. So the next morning, the pharaoh goes out to the Nile River. He's got, like, on his back porch or something, like one of those infinity pools, I think, that goes down into the Nile or something. So he's out there, like, taking a swim or doing something. And then he sees across the Nile River, he sees Moses and Aaron over there. And he's just like, you guys, like, what? <laughs> like, leave me alone. What are you doing? Like, it's my morning swim. What do you, what do you want? And they're like, we asked you, they're screaming from the other side of the Nile, we asked you nicely to let our people go, but you weren't listening. We told you our employer was very persuasive, right? Or that whatever, whatever I said, whatever bit I did earlier, the union head, whatever. Yeah, obviously they're talking about God, right? We told told you our God was very persuasive. And then Aaron takes his magic walking stick and strikes the water of the Nile River with it. And as the Pharaoh looks on, he sees all the water in all the Nile River turn to blood. 
and it says it's so metal and it says all the water of the nile and all the other rivers and bodies of water all throughout egypt all turned to blood and the fish died because well you know fish can't survive in blood right and, and, and nobody could drink the water and it was super disgusting uh, but the pharaoh he still had a bad attitude and he didn't he was not impressed you know he like whatever made some noise or whatever <laughs> and then he claps his hands again and his wizards and his own magicians come out and they they have like a case i think of like bottled water like aquafina or smart water or something i don't know like some kind of bottled water what well, the pharaoh is probably pretty pretentious what's the most pretentious Voss, maybe like a, like a pack, a case of Voss water, as as what was brought out by the the wizards and magicians, and they, while they were still sealed and wrapped up in their own packaging, they turned the bottled water into blood, also. So the Pharaoh is not impressed by everything that's going on, and and if I one second though, so they had this this bottled water that was right not turned into blood previously, and they turned it to blood themselves, and Pharaoh's you know like. Like, ha, like, you're not so special, Moses. Like, my wizards can do that, too. And then he, like, whips around and walks back into his, his house or whatever. And he just doesn't, doesn't give a shit, doesn't care about them. And But, like, if you think about it, like, it's kind of like, like, Pharaoh, you just played yourself a little bit. Because, like, it's bad enough that the Nile River and all of its connecting uh, offshoots or whatever, like, the biggest source of drinking water for the whole country is now blood. Uh, you also just turn what little water supply you have left, your bottled water, into more blood. Like, not super smart, but whatever. You had to make a point. I get it. On principle, you had to do this thing. So, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, see, Egypt, water is kind of important. But anyway. So then the next day, that was plague one. And then the next day, Moses comes back and is like, well, have you had enough yet? Let our people go, or we're going to go for round two, and we're going to send frogs your way. Like, frogs are super weird, and they're gross, and we're going to send a shitload of them to you. Like, so many frogs, dude. Uh, and <laughs> this is like a direct quote. It says, they're going to come into your house, and into your bedroom, and on your bed, and into the house of your servants, and on your people, and into your ovens, where you make your bread, and like, end quote, or whatever. But <laughs> it's just very descriptive of like, there are frogs everywhere and it's nasty but the pharaoh he's like i don't care jokes on you i like frogs i love frogs the more frogs the merrier do what you got to do with the frogs and so they moses and aaron they summon the frogs and frogs uh, come everywhere they're just like it said like they're in the ovens they're in the bread they're in the bedrooms like you can't like you, like when you go lay down to sleep at night like you gotta like pull up uh, pull off the covers or whatever and there's just frogs everywhere so like <laughs> it doesn't take very long uh, as much as as pharaoh was like talking you know smack or whatever about three hours later or whatever he comes back he's like hey moses aaron uh so i hate frogs i lied <laughs> the, they're everywhere you win i can't take it if you get rid of the frogs then your people can go into the wilderness for their retreat uh, like, like we'll make a deal and moses is like cool done we'll get rid of them by tomorrow morning they will be all gone and uh, Moses talks to God and blah, blah, blah. And then the frogs all leave and they jump back into the blood river or whatever. And so then the next day, Moses goes up to, you know, gets another appointment and goes up to the Pharaoh. And he's like, okay, we got rid of the frogs. Now uh, let my people go on their vacation. And the Pharaoh's like, 
Uh, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. We didn't have a deal. Get out of my office. And Moses is like, wow, wow, really? Okay, okay. And so, so Moses goes back to God. He's like, hey, God, Pharaoh's being a real dick. Uh, what's next? So then the next day, that was, that was plague two with the frogs. So the next day, Aaron takes the magic staff and strikes the ground itself. And then the, and then the dust of the ground forms into lice into itchy scratchy bugs that that are on your skin and in your hair and and just lice everywhere and it's horrible and then pharaoh sees it pharaoh sees what's happening and he claps his hands again and he brings out his wizards and they come out and they try to make lice appear out of nowhere out of the dust or whatever but this time they can't right so up until here it was still like two two wizards and whatever warlocks versus god and moses and aaron and they they could match include the snakes it was three to three so they they at this point they were evenly matched but at this point they couldn't make the lice out of dust and they they go to pharaoh and they're like bro this time this is a legit plague this is clearly the finger of god is what it says so like even even the evil wizards are like dang man like you know like oh damn like they can't they can't they can't compete with this right but pharaoh still doesn't care he still has a bad attitude and he's like i don't care about no lice get out of here moses so then the next day moses talks to god or whatever and then and here's what's important real quick most of the uh, all of these first plagues that we talked about affected everyone in the land right pharaoh the Egyptians, the Israelites, everyone there was affected in some way by the blood and the frogs and the lies. Uh, everyone in the region had a, had a rough go of it. But now Moses threatens Pharaoh with a plague that is only going to affect the Egyptians and not the Israelites, right? Because it's really not fair that the Israelites are getting hit with the same stuff that is supposed to be punishing the Pharaoh or whatever. So the Israelites start getting a free pass on this stuff. So plague number four, all right, it's time for, it's time for plague number four. And the fourth one now is swarms of flies. And like, have you ever tried to go to sleep with a fly nearby, like buzzing around, like it is impossible. And imagine like a plague of them, like so many of them everywhere and buzzing and landing on your food and it's just nasty and gross. And so all these flies are doing the fly things and, and you know, Pharaoh's like calls Moses in. He's like, I haven't slept in four days and they just keep buzzing and buzzing and it's going insane. And uh, he's like, okay, listen, if you get rid of the rid of the flies, you can take your people and have your little convention or whatever you want to do. And, you know, of course, Moses is like, it's not a convention. It's a wilderness retreat and a sacrifice. And uh, it's a three-day journey. But we'll get rid of the flies and, and, and let us go out and, and we'll, we'll have a deal. So Moses gets rid of the flies and everything. But yet again, Pharaoh is still being a dick. And as soon as he comes back in to, like, let the people go, Pharaoh's like, I changed my mind. Uh, you know what? wasn't worth it wasn't a good deal it's a bad deal bad trade let's do it again <laughs> deals off and so then the next one what are we at now like five the fifth plague god threatens to kill all the cattle in egypt with pestilence we're talking horses we're talking donkeys we're talking camels uh cows whatever everything all the livestock die of pestilence right is what they call it but it still didn't change pharaoh's mind pharaoh does, still doesn't even care so now the next plague, where we at like number six now, 
God tells Moses to grab some ash out of a fireplace and throw it up in the air and it swirls around and flies out through all of Egypt and like everything that this ash touches or whatever uh, it turns into boils on people's bodies right so like these nasty open sores wounds like boils everywhere and all the Egyptians were afflicted and it was so bad it says that the Pharaoh's wizards and magicians had to leave the room and it was just like uh, just like scaly nasty like like just pus filled like just bad 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 <laughs> but pharaoh still doesn't care he still doesn't care like he's like nope i'm not giving up my slaves not gonna happen i don't care and so then we have another plague <laughs> the next plague god sends down and by and literally he sends down the plague of hail and it's not regular ordinary hail it says that there was lightning and and hail and the hail was massive and it leveled all the trees and the plants in egypt and just destruction everywhere that these i don't even know how big they were but like these massive like ice whatever uh hailstones you know hit it just caused so much damage everywhere all the trees and plants and if anybody left any pets outside the pets died right it was it was bad so then pharaoh again goes to moses he's like okay okay enough like stop the hail like it's too much uh, if you stop the hail, then you guys can go back, you know, you can go, you can take your week's vacation. And the hail stops. And then, of course, yet again, Pharaoh's like, nope, just kidding, not happening. Like, he's, uh, he's being a real dick. But, so then, next, God sends a massive swarm of locusts into Egypt. And they eat up all the crops. Whatever crops were left, even from the hail, now got eaten even more by all the swarm of locusts, right? So, just a past few days like the the pestilence took out like their cattle now the hail took down most of their trees and their their harvests and whatever and then the locusts took out whatever else was left for that so now there's like hardly even food in egypt much less the blood water or whatever to drink so it's a rough time in egypt right now with everything that's going on but still even the pharaoh was like nope you can't have them can't leave i don't care like he was so stubborn so then the ninth plague comes and God sends what it says, what it calls the darkness. And it's literal darkness. It's described as a heavy darkness, one that could be felt like physically almost. And it says for three whole days, darkness covered Egypt so badly and so intensely that the Egyptians didn't even get out of bed. Like that's how like, like, I don't know, like just dreary and dark and like they couldn't they didn't see the sun whatever they couldn't see anything uh but there was lights where the israelites were like they were fine it was just in egypt so you know like the core egypt the city or whatever so uh but still the pharaoh was like that's fine like you know what i i wanted to spend the next three days in bed like i don't care about your darkness like you can't have them and so god uh, and moses they have a they have a discussion and they're like we're like nine plagues in god or moses is like no, we're nine we're nine plagues in we, we it's, well, nothing's working nothing's happening nothing's changing in mind the guy's a massive dick and god says like i'm gonna send one last plague this will be the plague to end all plagues and so up until now while he's made life very difficult technically no one has died right like no one's like the boils and everything like all suck but no one's actually died like you know like but did you die like whatever like but now it's time to ramp up the stakes boys so 
and it goes through a whole chapter giving Moses very specific instructions because this is going to be one. So remember how like before there was a few that both the Israelites and the Egyptians were afflicted by and then the uh, Israelites got a free pass and they didn't have to deal with some of the stuff. But now this last one is going to affect everybody in the region unless you prepare for it. And so God sets out these whole instructions on what Moses is supposed to tell everyone to do in order to not be affected by this 10th plague. And the plan is that God was setting out to kill all the firstborn males in the whole land, both human and animals and everything. All the firstborn males were in mortal danger. But, uh, kind of like before, again, he didn't want it to affect the Israelites, so he gives them these instructions. Part of the whole deal, which sounds like kind of weird and everything, but there's a bigger picture going on, so just bear with me. But the, the Israelites were told to make an animal sacrifice, either a sheep or a goat, and then after they sacrificed the animal, and there was a very specific you know, way they were supposed to do it, but when, when the sacrifice is done, they take some of the blood from the animal and they smear it on the door frame of their house, uh, like on the both the sides of the door and then across the, the top of it, right? So the whole arch, the door frame arch or whatever, if you will, should have blood covering it. And, and I'm actually really like over kind of simplifying it. There's a lot more to the whole thing, which I think I might get into another episode because it's really deep. But that, this is just on the, on the just, just covering the basics of it, right? But as long as this blood is smeared on the doorframe of the house, then it says at midnight, the angel of death is going to fly through the whole area of Egypt. And any house that did not have the blood on the doors, any firstborn male in that house would die. But if the angel of death saw the blood on the house, then you were safe, right? So no blood, firstborn's dying, yes blood, everyone's safe, right? And that's all you got to do. Like, I mean, kind of a lot to like do the sacrifice and everything, but whatever. <laughs> like, like the, you know, the blood on the house saves people from dying. Not that big of a deal. And then it happened. And, and all the Israelites, they did what they were told and they had the blood up and everything. And the Egyptians didn't. I don't know. I can't remember. I should look it up. I can't remember if uh, if if Moses even told some of the Egyptians also like what the plan was like if they had an option and they just chose not to listen or if it was a secret that he kept to himself. I'll have to go back and research that. I can't remember, but anyway, the uh, the Egyptians didn't have the blood on their doors and the Israelites did, and so that night uh, the thing the thing happened and the angel of death came through Egypt and kills all the firstborn sons and. And then old Ben Kenobi felt a great disturbance in the force, you know, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced. Uh, you know, they all, everyone died everywhere. But, but for real, it says there was not even one Egyptian household where at least one person didn't die, right? So the whole country just had a, a big old, like, like mass murder or whatever, like mass death, like and the whole country is distraught. And it says that, so that even includes the Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's own firstborn son was also part of, like, caught up in all that. And so finally, Pharaoh is broken. They break Pharaoh, and he's like, you know what, Moses? Get the fuck out. Like, you get out, get out of my country. Take your people. Get out. Get out tonight. Leave tonight. I don't want to see your faces. I don't, I don't want to, like, I might change my mind. Like, go. 
now. And so Moses makes the announcement, and all the Israelites, they gather all their things, and they even have bread that was still rising, you know, that for the next day, that they all had to, like, take out, you know, before it had finished rising or whatever. They had to take it out before it could get all fluffy. And they all left Egypt that same night, about, like, 600,000, I think. It's 600,000 dudes, and it's not even including the women and children. Like, there's a lot of people, right? 600,000. So over a million, definitely, maybe even one point four or five i don't even know like like people and uh, you know and also their livestock and a big old group of people so and as they're going out and they're leaving egypt uh, god manifests himself there with the people and with the whole group and everything and by day he he takes the form of a huge pillar of smoke and by night it's a huge pillar of fire right it's crazy just this massive I don't know, like, just, like, just, the, oh, that's just the smoke pillar that floats along with us, and, like, uh, you know, I don't know, it was it, neat, I guess, right, like, just showing a presence there, and so the Israelites have been traveling, as you can imagine, there's, like, you know, like, a million people or whatever, and their animals all walking, they don't move super fast, right, it's a, it's a desert, I mean, if you're walking in sand by itself is a pain, much less with a million plus people, so, they're not going super fast, and they make a little camp right next to what some would call the Red Sea, right? There's, like, you know, Red Sea on one side and the desert on the other side, and they're just, they're going to take a day breather or whatever, a little bit of a break, and they're in the wilderness here, and then Pharaoh and his guards or whatever are talking to themselves, and, and Pharaoh's like, what did I do? What what was I thinking? Like, who's going to build my pyramids now? I got to get my slaves back. Like, I lost my mind. I had some temporary insanity because my son died. But, like, I shouldn't have rewarded them for for <laughs> for this plague, for this curse, for killing my son. Like, what was I thinking? He says, you know what? Take my chariots. Take my guards or whatever. Take my troops. And I want you to go out there, chase the Israelites, and bring them back here. Like, this is not over. So back to the Israelites, right? They've got the wilderness on one side and the Red Sea on the other. And then they see the Egyptians moving in fast. And of course, they start to lose their shit. And they they start to complain to Moses and God and, and everything. Like, like, what did you do? Like, and they, these guys, man, like the passage basically says, Moses, you're a dick. We told you we were, quote unquote, happy in Egypt, living as slaves. We didn't have a problem. We didn't want to leave. Now you brought us out here to what? Die? You 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 did all this stuff and brought us out into the, into the desert. They're just going to slay us all. I think one of the quotes is like, what? There wasn't enough graves for us in Egypt. So you brought us out here in the desert so we could make our deaths easier or something like that. Like they're just like. I don't know, like, like you don't remember? Like, just, like, it was three days ago that you were slaves. Like, what? Uh, I don't know, man. People are weird. But, um, like, we hate you, Moses. <laughs> and and God says, you know, he's not mad, but he's like, God's like, uh, shut up. Uh, just watch what I'm about to go do. And he says, take a good long look at those Egyptians over there, for you will never see them again. Right? Like, kind of, like, very dramatic. And... And moves his cloud self or whatever between the Egyptians and the Israelites, creating like a cloud wall or something. I guess it was just menacing enough or whatever. The Egyptians didn't want to drive through it, didn't didn't want to go through it. So they just hung out on the other side of the cloud and the, the Israelites from the other side safe. And while all that's happening, while they're while while God is cloud form body blocking all the Egyptians 
Moses reaches out his hand and out, out, stretches out his arms or whatever over the water, over the Red Sea, and a massive gust of wind from the east comes in and blows back the water. And it says the wind blows all night long and pushes the water back, and it, it ultimately made a wall of water on the left and on the right, and then the Israelites were able to move across the sea on dry land. Right, I'm, I'm sure we've all seen uh, paintings or pictures, depictions of this scene, right? With you know the walls of water on both sides, and the Israelites are walking through on dry land to get to the other side, and God's holding the Egyptians back through the wall of cloud smoke or whatever. And just as the Israelites are almost to the other side, God lifts the cloud body or whatever, and the Egyptians like start driving forward again. And it kind of, I don't, I don't know why, like I just thought of like. Um, like Mad Max or whatever, like Road Warrior or whatever, like like the cloud moves and they're like, yeah, get him or whatever. Like there's the one guy like the with like I don't know like nipple piercings or whatever. And he's like rocking out or I, I can't remember if that was in the movie or not, but I don't know. Like they're just like 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 going like shooting down. Like these guys are not good guys, right? And they're chasing the the Israelites through the wall. You know, they're looking over. There's there's water on the right. There's water on the left. But they're they're driving fast. They're headed fast. And Pharaoh's there. He's 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 leading the pack, right? He's right there. Yeah, just like in like Mad Max, right? You know, Fury Road, whatever. You know, the 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 leader Pharaoh himself is at the front of the pack, chasing the slaves, trying to get them back. And and then just as like the last Israelite steps out of the middle walkway and onto actual regular land like like not not surrounded by water at all as soon as like that last israelite gets over god's like all right pharaoh this is what you get for being a dick and he makes the wheels of the chariots fall off and the horses got confused and just a major shit show right there in the middle of the two walls of water and the Egyptians, they couldn't move or do any go anywhere. Like their, you know, their cars are broken and all that. And God tells Moses, "Okay, stretch out your arms again and move the waters back in place." And so Moses did. And then, of course, the waves, like like a tsunami, like two tsunamis. Like what's is that the plural of, of tsunamis? Tsunamis, <laughs> two tsunamis. Uh, to uh, tsunami A and tsunami B on on both sides, uh, make an Egyptian sandwich with the two massive walls of water come crushing down and killing the dickhead pharaoh and all his dickhead guards, and not one of them survived. Right? Like, yay, mass murder. But <laughs> they were dicks. It's fine. And then uh, you know the Israelites, they saw what happened. They saw this big miracle. They saw the walls of water and everything. They're like, cool, thanks, man, or something like that. <laughs> there might have been a whole chapter or whatnot about a big song being sung and all this stuff, but we're gonna we're gonna skip through that. But that's the story of Passover. That's the story of the ten plagues, uh, the plagues of Egypt, whatever you want to call it. One of the most pivotal, incredible landmark stories in the Bible. So uh, we've got a lot more Moses to talk about in the future. And I think I'm going to do another episode coming up, not next week, uh, but in uh, like a month or so. I'm kind of working on some details where we're, we're going to go in depth and look at the plagues and kind of behind the scenes what they actually mean. And it's actually some really cool stuff that I'm excited to talk about. So that's our show for today, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please find us on Facebook. We really appreciate it. Like our page on there, facebook.com slash gettingbiblical. 
And that's going to do it for today's show. So, again, thank you guys so much. Have a fantastic week. Cheers. <laughs>